Welcome to another Friday. I'm here with Art. He's back from vacation, and uh, we're going to bring you the Membrane Labs Friday podcast. It's good to be back, Tyler. Uh, what I wanted to start with was the state of the market. So it's been an exciting couple weeks for Bitcoin. Let's see here. Early July, or sorry, not early, yeah, around early July, late June, we dipped down to about 5,800 USD a couple of times. That's pretty low. It's low, but it seems like that was the psychological bottom for like, Bitcoin. Like just under 6,000? It's kind of the... We talked about that two weeks ago, right? 6,000 being the sort of the bottom of the barrel and then it sort of bounces. Yeah, and we definitely have some verification of that because now we have Bitcoin at about currently 81.92 USD, which is good. I mean, that's a good recovery for the last couple of months of bearishness we've been seeing. Yeah, while we're talking about this, um, what uh, what sites do you use to keep track of, of coins and, and Bitcoin specifically? So when I'm looking at major coins, I'm looking at TradingView. TradingView, okay. Yeah, and so it doesn't have every single altcoin on there, but it has all the major ones, right, that I feel like people are interested in. Yeah, and TradingView does, does all the traditional sort of uh, exchanges as well, right? Right. Like DAO and S&P and... Exactly, like all all, all the trade, all the basic stock market tickers and whatnot. And on top of that, you can add the indicators that you'd work with a traditional stock market. Okay. So uh, one particular trading indicator that I use is the Ichimoku Cloud. And so. Pretty much what you have is kind of like this cloud looking thing and it represents support and resistance for prices. What's that? What is what? The Ichimoku cloud? No, the, the, the thing that you said it tracks. What's the last th- the word there? Support and resistance. Okay. Right. So tell me what that means. Oh, okay. Well, support is pretty much when price breaks a certain level and comes back down and won't come below that price. So that would be considered support. Okay, so that's sort of like the, the 6,000 number that we've been talking about. Exactly, that's, that, that's major support. We've tried to break 6,000 a couple of times and it bounced back up. And then resistance would be the exact opposite of that, would be trying to break some sort of number but not breaking that number. It's so like a ceiling. Like a ceiling, exactly. Yeah, okay, so support's like the floor and resistance is like the ceiling on the price. Exactly. Thank I you, like Tyler. it. I like it. So, personally, I like this Ichimoku Cloud trading indicator. And what it does is it kind of shows you... It, it, it's a trend-based indicator, so it kind of shows you where the price is going. And obviously, it's not 100% accurate, and it can't predict the future. The market is random. But currently, as I'm looking at it, and if anybody hopped on TradingView and wanted to apply the Ichimoku cloud indicator... Yeah, you, I've just done it. Yeah. Uh, so there's... It's a traditional stock indicator, so you have to adjust your settings a little bit. So you have to actually double every setting that you have there. Why is that? Well, traditional stock markets are only open 
eight to nine hours a day. Oh, okay. Where crypto market is open 24-7. That makes sense. So, uh, based on the Ichimoku cloud indicator, you can see that there's major resistance. And, and, and what's, what's represented as major resistance on the Ichimoku cloud is a really flat line on the Ichimoku cloud. So you can, as I'm currently looking at it, you can see that around 7,800, very, very flat line. And it's, it's, it's been a flat line for almost a month. So that represents great, great support or resistance. It broke that resistance. Now it's using it as support. Uh, another feature of it is since you have this kind of cloud-shaped object, once it breaks this cloud, this is indicative of the price will move further. So me personally as a trader, uh, I would consider myself a breakout trader. So once it breaks out of this cloud, that means the trend is bullish. It's looking good. And we're in an uptrend. Okay, so you're thinking right now we're looking at an uptrend, basically. Well, we're not quite breaking out of the cloud yet. Getting close? But we're pretty close. Pretty close. Okay, well, that's, that's interesting to hear. How do you learn about this stuff? So I, I've actually been following this guy named Josh Olshevich on Twitter and YouTube. And that's where I learned all the trading techniques. And he's just been in the crypto market for several years. Okay, cool. Man, that's interesting. This, this is like, I've never actually used a lot of these tools before because I don't personally do any like day trading. So it's pretty, uh, pretty fascinating to see kind of how you go about uh, like deciding what you're going to do. Right. And, and, and the idea behind Ichimoku Cloud is you don't want to catch the exact bottom of, of the trend starting, right? You want to catch 80 to 90% of the trend, which is what you really care about, right? So when it breaks the cloud, that's indicative of okay you missed out on maybe 10 percent but you're catching 90 percent of the trend okay okay yeah yeah okay so that's bitcoin um what's the rest of the market looking like it's kind of going down outside of bitcoin right now right i mean it's 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 definitely a little weird you have ethereum which in the past history has shown it follows the price of bitcoin yeah but it's quite the opposite right now. Yeah, it's a little bit odd. It's odd to look at. It's it's at a low. I mean... Yeah, well, right now it's uh, 5 o'clock uh, GMT, negative 8 uh, Pacific time on July 27th, if you guys are listening in the future. Uh, so, like, what, what's the price at right now? So, right now, compared to Bitcoin, the current price is 0.0574 Bitcoin. Okay. So if we're talking USD price, that would be currently 470 USD. Okay. And I mean, it's, it's, it's weird. It's weird. Um, this could be correlating to the attack on Ethereum that you were yeah, talking that, about the, last week. Last week, that was pretty interesting. That could definitely have had an effect on the value. But well, who knows? It's uh, it's acting quite opposite to what most would expect. So. Yeah. No, it'd be interesting if this shows like a like a really consistent future trend. Like if this is the start of something new, or if it's just a blip in the radar. 
So that's something that's something to keep an eye on. So if if, if we're talking Ichimoku cloud, it's way below the cloud, which is indicative of a bear trend. Yeah. So um, I, I guess expanding a little further on the whole Ichimoku cloud concept, if it's below this cloud that's being represented, it's in a bear trend. But if it's above the cloud, it's in a bull trend. So right now we got a huge gap below the cloud and um, it's not looking bullish for, well, let's see, like about 0.076 Bitcoin. So um, I don't know what that is in USD dollars, but it's it's quite a ways away from being deemed bullish. So so if I'm getting this correctly, the, the cloud is is more of a predictor of current market conditions, right? Exactly, and, and, and then when you see when you see an actual price that's significantly outside those, that's like an indicator that something is going on that's not like in the sort of consistent norm. That makes that makes complete sense, and uh, yeah, you're totally correct there. Okay, so so really, you're using it as kind of like a, an anomaly detector. Yeah. Okay, I see. That actually makes a lot of sense. All right. Well, I think we I think we've discussed the price of Bitcoin and Ethereum. Um, about as much as this podcast can handle. <laughs> They're limited economics knowledge. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Um, did you see the whole uh, the FOMO 3D uh, post on Reddit this week? I mean, I've heard about it, and we actually had a meetup two days ago. Yeah, we had a meetup two days ago. So, again, if, uh, if you guys are interested in those, we have those every couple of weeks. Uh, but, yeah, at the meetup, we talked about this. Um, so if you guys are, if you haven't heard of FOMO 3D, what, uh, what FOMO 3D is, is it's a game on a smart contract on Ethereum. And the concept is that there is this counting down timer that started originally at 24 hours, I think, and it accepts payments and every payment increases the timer by 30 seconds, but each consecutive payment also increases the amount of money that you need to put in in order to make a successful payment. Um, so I don't know what the exact numbers are at right now, but the idea is that each successive payee pays more than the last. Sorry, if I could just interrupt right now, the current number is 21,665 Ether for whoever wins this pot. That's the pot? That's the pot. Okay, so let me get to the pot here. So <laughs> basically, whoever the last person to pay in when the timer hits zero, they receive the whole pot. That's quite the payoff. That's that's a lot. <laughs> so I, I guess if it's not obvious to you exactly how this works, um, it's essentially a pyramid scheme. Um, every single person that pays in loses, except for the last person to pay in, um, which I guess is kind of an inversion of the traditional pyramid scheme where you know people who come in later lose. But it definitely is not within the realm of what I would consider to be an ethical game. Um, so what, what happened this week is Peter from the Ethereum Foundation, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name, uh, made this post on Reddit. And uh, it's actually entitled How to Pwn FOMO 3D, A Beginner's Guide, which is, I mean, kind of funny. How to, how to pwn it? How to pwn it. Oh, like so, so he has a workaround is what he's saying. Well, essentially what's happened is the developers of this FOMO 3D code, on top of just being, um, you know, possibly unethical developers, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, they've uh, they've coded it in with what's a not a bug, but an intended behavior of the EVM that results in a vulnerability in their code. 
EVM being uh, uh, Ethereum, Ethereum virtual, virtual machine, machine yeah. that all Ethereum smart contracts run on. Um, so I'll actually put a link to this post in the description for this podcast. But the basic idea here is that uh, Peter is obviously a developer for the Ethereum Foundation, so he actually works on the EVM. Uh, so he's about as close to an authority as we have on how the EVM is supposed to work. And the other group, the group that developed FOMO 3D, is called Team Just. And what's happened is a few months ago when they were originally developing the smart contract, they reported that this error exists. And basically, Peter emailed them back and said, no, this is intended behavior. Like, don't do this. Oh. And uh, that email chain exists. And uh, they did it anyway. And now their contract, which has at least $12 million in it at the time of writing four days ago, um, is vulnerable to a specific type of attack. And uh, I'm not sure exactly how much of that money is vulnerable. So it also has this concept of airdrops that go out at certain points along the way. Right. Uh, But uh, the FOMO 3D contract is definitely vulnerable to some kind of exploit. And as we talked about, it's got 21,000 ETH in it. Seems like a problem, right? Um, but but if you're interested, there's a very hilarious thread on Reddit where Team Just to develop this contract go back and forth with Peter from Ethereum, and uh, they just make themselves look like idiots. It's really... I mean, I'm looking at it right now, and you have... Um, tr- cho- choose a team. So I guess before you send any Ethereum and buy a key, you can choose a team. So you can have... Trickle down economics, snake. I guess it's not snake. It's snake. S N E K. And apparently, you can get the most dividends from this because don't you earn dividends from everybody that buys in after you or something? Something along those lines. Uh, yeah, there, there's something along those lines. I'm. I honestly haven't read a lot about how the actual game works. I've been much more interested in the exploit itself. Right, and uh, so you have whale. Feed on the greed of others. Uh, most ETH to pot. Uh, I don't. I don't really know what this whole concept of teams is, but I can. I, I can see how it's addicting. But, but I mean, o- o- only the person that can contribute the most ETH at the end of the day wins, right? Like at some point, the general public won't have enough money to even buy a key. So, yeah. So it's just gonna be, you know, rich get richer kind of thing, right? Yeah, I mean, I have to imagine that at some point this is going to benefit the developers. Also, the website is literally exitscam.me. So who knows if these people that own their contract just take off. Also, if you go to the actual um, like FOMO 3D website, the logo that they've chosen is quite literally an upside-down pyramid. <laughs> like, it's kind of sad. But if you guys are interested in the exact um, the actual mechanism in which this exploit works, um, the the basic concept of it is that FOMO three D depends on this um, concept that they can decide whether or not the sender of a message is a contract or a human being. But that's not something that the creators of the Ethereum virtual machine have ever wanted to support, because the Ethereum Foundation is focused on this com- this idea of composability where it doesn't matter if a human or a contract is sending a transaction, they're treated the same. Right. And Team Just is trying to 
use this code in order to prevent contracts from exploiting it. And I'll get into in that in a minute how that actually works. But basically, that's not something that the Ethereum developers have any interest in supporting at this time. So they're using a functionality that's not meant to exist and, as we can see, doesn't actually. Um, so if you actually dig into Peter's explanation, I think most people could understand this if they have a bit of programming knowledge because it's actually not that complicated. Um, it's just pseudocode, so like you can't just copy and paste it. Mm -hmm. But it, it's not that complicated. It's, it's kind of interesting. Um, basically, he's found that you can create a contract that will win 100% of the time. Oh, wow. Um, so they have some kind of airdrop mechanism where you can get some, some ETH back uh, on a 25% likelihood. Um, and you can use the upper limit on the potential ETH in order to exploit it. So I, like, I would encourage you to actually just read the, um, the pseudocode that he's posted. Um, it's pretty interesting, and it definitely like highlights why they've chosen to not patch the bug. You'll post the link in the description. I there, will right? post a link in the description. Awesome, because I wouldn't mind reading into that a little bit. For sure. Um, and then he also, it's kind of fun, he posts a, an address that's actually been skimming the airdrops for a while. So, Wow. <laughs> so it's been happening and no one's noticed, so that's good. Good for you, Team Just. Yeah. Amazing. So I, I don't really have anything else in that. I just think it's completely fascinating that one of the EVM developers is just completely destroying this this group that's written in a terrible smart contract. I mean, it's because this kind of this kind of programming is so early in development, and so this kind of goes back to what we discussed on Wednesday at our meetup about the DAO, you know, and they had a bug. And their smart contract that they posted to the blockchain. Just for context, this is the DAO, not the DOW. Yeah, DAO, sorry, DAO. Yeah, I, I don't even know how to pronounce it. But anyways, they, they had a bug in their smart contract, right? And and this thing was posted and there was a consensus, consensus of people that agreed to post this thing to the blockchain. And it was a smart contract that couldn't be changed. I mean, it's there. And somebody found an exploit in it. Start draining all the funds, and and what can you do at that point, right? Yeah. So let's just talk about the the DAO really quick. The idea of the DAO is it's a decentralized autonomous organization. Um, so the point of the DAO is that it allows people to vote for which projects to try to back, try to fund, um, and it's it's using this concept of like group knowledge in order to pick which projects are most likely to succeed. Um, and doing it all via a smart contract. Um, and, and a lot of people thought it would be really cool, and they had a lot of money in it when they were exploited. And so it's it's early technology. What can I say? I, it's smart contracts, uh, it's ki kind of regular programming but at the same time there's a little bit of changes and somebody finds an exploit and then what do you do yeah it's it's a whole lot harder to patch than uh than most things and, and they did fork after the dao right right the so, ethereum foundation decided to so most of you might not know this but there's ethereum which is what's known to most people today eth 
there's also Ethereum Classic, which was actually the original blockchain of Ethereum. And Ethereum now is a fork off of Ethereum Classic, which is what we knew to be Ethereum back in the day. And that was because of this whole DAO hack and the Ethereum Foundation wanted to return those funds to everybody that lost them, right? Yeah, so the the hard fork, I'm just looking at the day that this occurred on right now. Um, yeah, so it took place on the 20th of July, 2016. So actually almost exactly a year ago. Um, and the idea there was that the Ethereum Foundation felt that if they were to basically take all that ether, leave it in the hands of one hacker who figured this out and just say, fuck all of you who basically wrote code that sort of didn't quite work and everyone who supported them, mm-hmm. it would be more of a, a downside for the entire project of Ethereum than it would be a benefit for maintaining the integrity of the blockchain. Um, you could see the argument where they're saying that, oh, like once you modify or censor for one particular group, then what's to stop you from just censoring things in general? And at that point, what's the point of a decentralized or like a decentralized blockchain? Uh, but ultimately, the hard fork was the dominant sort of stance that the community took. And so now we have Ethereum and Ethereum Classic. So the hard fork, was it a decision based on the Ethereum Foundation itself? Or was there some sort of vote or something that happened? Do you know? Well, ultimately, the decision lies in the miners. But in the case of this fork, um, Ether holders were allowed to send a transaction to a voting platform to vote for or against the fork. And in this case, overwhelmingly many voted in favor of the hard fork. Well, I guess that makes sense depending on how many people were part of DAO or, you know, were affected yeah. by it. Well, you'd have to think that the group that stole the funds would be a minority compared to the group that held funds. No, definitely. Definitely. And, but they're also, like in any group of the size of Ethereum, would be a really large number of idealists, I think. You know, people who think, oh, we should never fork because that goes against the, the core concepts of this technology. Right. And uh, I'm actually reading here. There's the anti-hard fork group and the users that support the hard fork. So a couple of points that the anti-hard fork group had. Code is law. The original statement of the DAO terms and conditions should stand under any circumstances. Which, I mean makes sense but if there's a bug in a smart contract and this is code that is very early it's an early development i mean it it doesn't make sense that millions of dollars should be lost to one hacker that found a simple exploit you know what i mean yeah i I mean just to summarize the rest of the points you're going to read here um the blockchain's immutable it's a slippery slope the censorship we already talked about um some people thought that it would reduce the value of eth over time because it reduces the integrity and there's also the bailout comparison, right? Right. Which freaks people out. But I mean, what are you, what are you going to do? I mean, I don't know. It's, I, it's, it's, it's not a bailout for one organization. It's like, a bailout for the DAO. 
Yeah, but more so everybody that was involved with DA- DAO, not DAO themselves. But they're all the DAO. That's the point. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I don't know. I like it. It's an interesting one. Okay, so I think that's enough crypto for me for now. Yeah, I mean, uh, talking about hard forks, anti-hard forks, supporters of hard forks. I mean, honestly, it's getting kind of late. I like to have a fork in my hand right now. I'm getting kind of hungry. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. I mean, uh, so if if anyone doesn't know, and me and Tyler, uh, we're co-workers. And it's kind of funny because every day for lunch, I never make the decision as to where we eat. I always leave it in Tyler's hands because this guy knows. So you got, I don't know, the the picnic. Sometimes we go to the joint for yeah, a slice so of pizza. Let's, just, let's get some context here. The picnic is a, a coffee shop. But they have great homemade sandwiches. Yeah, they make a great couple. Sa- they have two like special sandwiches every day, you know, and uh, I always order the special. Nothing better than a special, right? Um, but yeah, no. So we went to the joint today. Uh, kind of greasy. Yeah, they make kind of a greasy pizza, but sometimes <laughs> it's what you want. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's what I wanted today. Because right after I ate the pizza, just... Yeah, you were looking a little green around the gills. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. Yeah. And I just had to, like, put my head down, drink a couple of cups of water, you know, and... Yeah, you know you know my favorite place in Victoria to get, get lunches is what? the Italian Deli on oh, Blanchard. Oh, man, the Rocky Balboa. Oh I remember that's God. the first sandwich I had from there, and it was awesome. It was kick-ass, man. They make all these great sandwiches, and they're, like, they're reasonably priced. They're, like, eight bucks or something like that. Eight bucks for a, a panini, essentially. Yeah, and they'll grill it for you, and it's got, like, these Italian sliced meats and oh, some, like, delicious cheese and... Oh. Oh. And usually like pickled onions or something like that. Yeah, and and, and you don't you don't feel disgusting after. Oh, they're so good. And then afterwards, you're like so happy with yourself. <laughs> uh, hey, I didn't really make a bad decision today, you know. Yeah, no, I, I actually love that place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, so we should uh, we should talk about what we what I what I've had for beer here. So, looks like you're drinking a Stella. So that's uh, it's pretty typical. Yeah. But for the record, it's my second beer, and you're still on number one. It's true. I'm I'm drinking uh, the pitch black chamomile black pilsner from Swans. Yeah, so uh, it's pretty good. I like it. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, they're are are they a brewery then? Or uh, they're like a they're like a pub, and they also have a a brew house kind of deal. Oh, okay, fair yeah. enough. Yeah, it's pretty good. So, how much is one of those uh, b- big boys there? They're usually like somewhere between like six fifty and eight fifty. How many mils? Six hundred and fifty mils. Oh, right on. So, you know, like it's like um, it's like a pint, right? Right. Like a full-size pint. I mean, a pint is normally 500 mils, right? So you're getting a little extra there. Is that right? Is a pint? Isn't a pint 20 ounces? Well, let's figure this out right now. Yeah, I'm Googling 20 ounces. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can never be right. It's 568. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think, oh, God, we're kind of like smack dab in the middle there, eh? Yeah, we're, we're splitting it. <laughs> All right. We can both be right this time. I'll take half a point. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will give it to you. All right. Yeah, we, we've had a pretty good week, hey? With with in, work. Oh, no, definitely, definitely. Um, So, as Tyler mentioned on last week's podcast, I was on vacation. I was actually taking a little vacation, visiting my girlfriend's hometown, 100 Mile House, B.C., and her parents actually have a 
beautiful house. Huge house. Five bedrooms, two bathrooms. Still in like the middle of nowhere though, right? Well, she doesn't live directly in 100 Mile House. She lives technically in, jeez, what's it called? You, you might not want to. Okay, yeah, I'm not going to disclose too much info. But it's right on the lake. It's beautiful. And I, I just got to work from home a couple of days, four hours a day, make a little bit of money. And then after that, I would go paddleboard a little bit. Have a couple drinks. It was amazing. I loved it. It was very relaxing. And I got a little break from Tyler, who consistently shoot, shoots me down. And uh, <laughs> it's my educational policy. <laughs> That's how I was raised. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, uh, not joking at all. It, Tyler's contributed a lot to my learning, definitely. Because it's, it's something I can always turn to. In terms of um, uh, programming. Yeah, I hope so. Well, like at the beginning of this semester, you came in pretty fresh, right? So fresh, so green, thinking that, you know, I could tackle every task that was thrown at me. And that that was definitely not the case at all. Yeah, but you, you're getting there now. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I, I think I've surprised Tyler a little bit with the amount I've learned, I hope anyways. Oh, yeah, this, this has been a good week for you. This week has been exceptionally good for me and... I'm quite happy, and I'm happy that I can actually contribute more to the various projects. Like, for example, right now, we're developing a minor monitor. So if if any of you are familiar with mining crypto, uh, for example, Ethereum, you can go on Etherscan, and you can see your total hash rate over time, right? But what if you wanted to know remotely... Uh, individual hash rates of each GPU that you have on your mining rig and maybe fan speeds. Yeah, I mean, you're tracking the temperature of every graphics card on that machine, right? Exactly. And it's 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 great. And so it's a project that I've been working on almost exclusively. Uh, Tyler worked on the front end a little bit. Yeah, I do a little bit of uh, airdrop support sometimes. <laughs> Definitely. But uh, it, it's something that I had the opportunity to develop from scratch. And that's a cool feeling, right? Definitely, right? Yeah, and you can really look at it and say, like, I know how every part of this works. Yeah, for the most part, anyways. Yeah, I, I think that's a good experience for a newer developer to have. Um, just if nothing else, you get kind of like the full stack picture of how an application actually works. Right. And uh, I know that personally... I'm not the greatest public speaker, but I know Tar Tyler encouraged me to get up at the whiteboard and explain each step of this minor monitor that we have. And to my own surprise, I found out that I knew a lot more than I actually thought I knew. Yeah. And actually, to your credit, Art, this uh, this week's meetup, um, you really stepped up. And uh, so if you guys weren't at, at the meetup, uh, as I'm sure anyone who's not one of the eight people that came uh, wouldn't be. Art actually got up front and he gave a Bitcoin 101 presentation. He talked about basically everything that you need to know to understand the basics of what is a Bitcoin and even got into a little bit of how some of the more technical concepts work. And, you know, I think that you only had one moment where you were a little unsure of yourself. No, definitely. Like I said, I have a problem public speaking. And when I choke, I, I don't just choke a little bit. I choke hard. 
Yeah, and, I mean, there, there was some physical gagging going on. Like, I'm not going to lie. Right, and uh, I'm but sure... But you recovered. I recovered. I'm sure it was hard to watch, but I recovered. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit hard to watch. <laughs> but, I mean, you recovered, you came back. It wasn't a problem from then on. So, I, actually, I, I was really happy with how you did. I'm, I'm really glad that you're kind of coming around on that. Well, thanks, Tyler. Thanks. And uh, a little bit of thanks to you for inspiring a little bit of confidence in me. Yeah, I mean, let's be real. I was just I was just yelling at you and drink, <laughs> drinking a beer. I don't think it was much of a... <laughs> Fair enough. So if if anyone's interested in the Victoria area for the meetups, uh, go ahead on meetup.com. We're member and labs. Take a look. Have you posted the next one? Yeah, August 9th. Okay, Uh, we'll include that in the description. Yeah, for sure. Uh, It's just a little bit. It's going to be a short tutorial on securing and buying crypto. Yeah, that's one of the big things that we've had from people who, who came to the last one is they really, uh, now that they kind of know a little bit about what Bitcoin is and what makes it interesting, and we've had some some technical talks with some people who do know a bit more, there are still some people who actually want to see, like, how do you actually physically buy cryptocurrency? Yeah, I mean, uh, I know as far as Canada goes, you go on Coinbase and the majority of banks don't even, won't even let you buy through Coinbase anymore. Yeah. So you got to go through other methods. And I find, I've found a little bit of a loophole which is through a, an, a MasterCard debit kind of sort of thing online. So that's that's the only lo- loophole I know of right now. Uh, previously, I used to buy on Coinbase, but now I go through this other method. So we're going to be talking a little bit about that, transferring, transferring Ether between one account and another, and also transferring it to a paper wallet so you can secure it as long as you can keep track of a piece of paper i guess yeah basically <laughs> basically we're going to try to do like an everything that you need to know to get started exactly so that that should be good i think that there's going to be people who are interested in that no definitely because i know like myself and tyler were a little more involved in the space and buying crypto isn't it, it's kind of a given for us right yeah and but obviously for other people it might not be yeah, that's that should be good though. I think that um, I think there's not a lot of support for people who are into cryptocurrency in Victoria right now, and I, I'm pretty excited to hopefully start to build a community. Yeah, and um, I'm really happy with the amount of people that have actually come and showed up at the meetups. Yeah, actually, if you're interested too, if you're a developer, um, someone who actually shares the office with us here, Eric Showers, he's holding a meetup sometime next week, and I'm not sure if he's got it posted yet, but. What he's trying to do is he's trying to actually teach people to build their first uh, smart contract and deploy it as a DAP on Ethereum. So that's a, a decentralized or distributed application. Um, and I think that's actually going to be really interesting. He's a pretty good teacher. And uh, I think that if you're a developer and you're curious about like what's what's all the hype about, how does it work, then uh, you should definitely come check it out, support him. Um, I'm sure he's going to need lots of feedback because it's his first one. Uh but it, like, it, like he's a good guy, and I think that people will actually enjoy doing that. So, no, definitely, he's really friendly and he's really knowledgeable. Uh, more recently, he's just been working with a company that works a lot with the Ethereum blockchain. So, if you didn't know a lot before, he knows a lot more now, and definitely he's going to d- dive into Solidity a little bit, and I think he'll be very useful. Yeah. So I, I guess if you're into Victoria, keep up on Meetup. Lots going on with us here in the office. Um, I definitely, uh, I would encourage anyone who's even a little bit interested to come by and at least say hi. Even during the week, like we're here every day except for for Thursday. 
Um, and, you know, if you just want to swing by, say hi, have a chat about crypto. Um, also, the Vic blockchain Slack, great resource. Right. So, so what is that? VicBlockchain.now.sh? Yeah, we can include that in the description as well. I'm going to lose track of all the shit we're supposed to keep in the description. But um, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's run by Jordan McKinney. And uh, Jor- Jordan's a great guy, and he's really knowledgeable as well about lots of different crypto. He was actually the guest of the last podcast yeah, there. Yeah, he was the guest of the last podcast, and um, I, I would highly recommend joining his uh, his Slack channel if you have any interest at all in cryptocurrency, because you know if you want an answer that's knowledgeable and some friendly people and a little bit of a community, it's perfect. It's great. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. All right. Anything else we want to talk about? I think I think we're good, man. We're getting pretty close, eh? Yeah. Yeah, well, hopefully, uh, hopefully this podcast continues to be, uh, you know, moderately successful. I think that we've got what ten plays in the last two. <laughs> yeah, I think there was like six downloads on the first one, like fifteen or sixteen on the second one. So, hey guys, if you can make it thirty, we'd be super stoked on that. Yeah, watch it twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, it, it's actually it's cool though. I, I'm really happy that we can uh, hopefully share some of the things that we've been learning because. It's not uh, it's not the easiest space to get into, and I think that uh, with the future being so promising for the technology, I'd be I'd be really interested myself if I were, you know, less knowledgeable to just try and pick up on a little bit. No, definitely, definitely, man. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that's it. Until next week, have a good one. Enjoy your weekend, and uh, we'll uh, we'll be here. Join us in the Slack channel. Definitely. Uh, tune into the next podcast. Haven't decided on the topic yet, but we'll figure it out. (laughs) All right. Happy Friday. Happy Friday, guys.